Welcome to the Recognizing Potential podcast with your host and certified relationship coach, Cameron Thompson Alaricki. This is the podcast for all things real and raw on marriage, family, and building healthy relationships in this world. As a coach, I am on a mission to help couples recognize their full potential and reach far beyond that with tools, resources, and busting through their own limiting beliefs. Together, my clients and I are changing the statistic that half of marriages end in divorce by creating clearer communication, stronger, healthier habits, more passion and intimacy, and balance in the marriage, whatever that looks like for you. I'm a pilot wife, and together we have a baby and an 11-year-old from my previous marriage, so you can also find tips on blending a family successfully in this podcast. In my spare time, you can find me reading, painting, and traveling this gorgeous, incredible world. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode. Today, we are going to be talking about one thing that you can do by yourself to better your marriage. This was something that I really had to get real with myself about three years ago. For those of you that don't know all of my story, Mo actually left. About three years ago, things were so bad with us that for we'd been living in the same patterns, the same routine for about two years. We were broke as a joke. We um, were struggling. At that point, we had, we were about six months into getting pregnant, trying to get pregnant. Couldn't, it wasn't happening. We were fighting constantly. The stress in our lives was unbelievable. I had just gone back to teaching because we were broke as a joke, and I absolutely hated it. I knew it was not my purpose. I wasn't sure exactly what that purpose was, but I knew it wasn't teaching, and our lives were just a big, tumultuous mess. And so he actually packed everything that he owned and he was, he went and stayed in Dallas at a friend's and, um, luckily that friend convinced him to come back and to work it out. And so when he came back, we started talking and he said, he was like, I am not going to therapy. I'm not going to counseling. I'm not doing coaching. We can figure this out on our own. Well, I knew better because if you could figure it out on your own, wouldn't you have already done that? So I knew it was going to be up to me. I knew that everything that we had to do, I had to do on my own. And so one of the first things that I started really diving into was my self-talk and trying to fix that myself because I have always been a very insecure person up to that point. I struggled with my weight. Um, I struggled with not feeling like I was enough in every situation at work as a mother, as a wife, as a daughter, as a sister, as all the different roles that I have, I never felt like I was enough. And it wasn't that people had told me that I wasn't enough. It was something that I was telling myself. And so that is the topic that we're going to dive into today. And I'm going to try to help you overcome your self-talk and also understand how important it is. So the thoughts that were going through my head from like, I would say high school up until this point were like, like I said, not good enough. I lived into every decision that I made based on the fact that I wasn't good enough. I was never grateful for what I had. Not truly grateful. Like I, I never felt grateful. I would tell myself I was grateful. I would pray and I would thank God for all of the things that I had, but I was never, I never truly felt pure gratitude for what I had. And I had chosen a spouse before uh, my first spouse based on the fact that I didn't think that I would get anyone else to love me in this life. So I basically made the first relationship work as bad as it was. I made it work because I didn't feel like anyone else was ever going to love me. And not that he wasn't, I learned a lot from that relationship. We'll just say that. I learned a lot from that relationship. He learned a lot from that relationship. We're fantastic co-parents now, but we are better off not being married. I am better off now with Mo. And so 
but that gratitude and, and all of the decisions that I had made leading up to that, that was all based on the fact that I didn't feel like I was ever going to be good enough. I didn't love me. I ran myself ragged to the point where when I was a single mom, just before Mo came back from Egypt, I actually got so sick that I had to go on medical leave for several months because my adrenals nearly shut down. I had ran myself ragged and eventually it was because I was so stressed out, not because of other people's expectations, but because of the expectations that I was putting on myself that I was trying to live into, trying to make other people happy, trying to make other people love me or appreciate me because of what I told myself they thought. It seems silly now, but so many people do this same thing. And self-talk is the inner monologue that constantly runs and is formed from our conscious and our subconscious beliefs. It's formed from our biases all working together. It's how our brain interprets and processes our daily experiences. For example, uh, you drop something on the floor and it breaks and your inner monologue says, oh my gosh, why am I so stupid? I'm so clumsy. Why am I so careless all the time? Or it's when you're walking or running outside and you see someone coming towards you your inner monologue processes whether this person is friendly or possibly dangerous. Your inner monologue processes every single thing all day long as positive or negative. And it can absolutely be a help when it's your hype person or it's telling you like, yeah, you can for sure do what you need to do. You can absolutely get this to-do list of 300 things done today. It's there to motivate you and or... If you're having a panic attack or, you know, a little bit of anxiety, it's there to calm you and calm your fears and tell you like to kind of be your mother's voice from when you were little to say, if you had this kind of mother, to say, it's going to be okay. My mom used to tell us before we would go to bed and we were scared, she would say, think happy thoughts like Peter Pan. So that's your inner monologue. That becomes your inner monologue. Your parents become your inner monologue. So if your parents are the type that, or if you are this type of parent, that you're constantly criticizing your kids and you're constantly pointing out the negative and you're never building them up, that will become their inner monologue. So then as they grow and they become adults, that will be their inner monologue telling them, you're not good enough. You didn't do this good enough. You need to try again. You didn't do it the right th- the first time. You're lazy. You are, you are, you are. So watch what you say to your kids too. Because the inner monologue can be very negative and self-defeating when it's telling you that you can't do something or that you're too stupid or too fat or too challenging or you're not successful enough or you don't work hard enough or you don't have enough money. For some, having a strong inner monologue can lead to being more successful, like as an intrinsic way of motivating them to reach a certain goal. But over time, though, that can lead to less confidence. So having that like negative coach in your head all the time can push you, but then those thoughts become your words and your words become your actions and then your actions become who you are. So over time, that's how it leads to less confidence because you're creating a cycle of shame and guilt and you're limiting your own personal growth. Self-talk typically doesn't reflect reality either. There's a big difference between being something and having a moment of a certain behavior. When we convince ourselves that we are something or that the reality is a certain way, We really need to step back and look at that as, is that reality? Is that truth? There's a lot of coaches. In fact, I was just listening to one yesterday, Taylor Lee. If you don't follow her, oh my gosh, she's an amazing business coach. But she talks about how when you are in business, one of the first things that you have to do is to get your mindset right. And the way to do that is to start journaling all of your fears on one side of the paper. And on the other side of the paper, counter that with the truth. So I'm never going to make $5,000. Okay, great. You're never going to make $5,000. But do you make sales every day? Does money come easily for you? 
Do you make some money every single day? You know, I'm never going to be a great mom. Okay, well, why not? What? Why do you think you're not going to be a great mom? Okay, what constitutes as a great mom? Are you comparing yourself to someone else's version of a great mom? Or um, I'm not successful. Okay, but are you working towards success? So whatever the fear is, counter that with what the truth is. Because most likely your self-talk is not the truth. When you're dropping the plate and you're breaking it, you are not stupid. You had a moment where you were distracted or you simply had an accident. When you look in the mirror and you tell yourself, I'm so fat. No, no, you are not fat. You have fat. Maybe that fat needs to be lessened a little bit in your mind to, or to be, to have healthy blood numbers to, you know, uh, to, you know, lessen the, the workload on your heart to lessen the workload on your joints, to be the healthiest person. But is it vanity? And that's what you're comparing yourself to? Is another person who you think is prettier because they are thinner? Or is it because of health numbers? Like, what's the difference there for you? All right? So what does this have to do with marriage? And the answer is everything. Because human nature has a tendency to pull toward the negative side more than the positive. So having it pulled the other way towards the positive takes a lot of self-awareness, practice, and grace. Did you know that people with depression and anxiety frequently experience destructive and dysfunctional self-talk? The internal chatter that they hear is incessantly overly critical. They're overwhelmed by the negativity and they can wallow in painful rumination attacking themselves ceaselessly. Did you know that shy people are typically the people that that have a craving for human interaction the most, but they tell themselves, their self-talk tells themselves that they are not dressed appropriately, they're not smart enough to be in that room, they're not successful enough to be in that room, they're not wealthy enough to be in that room. They're constantly comparing themselves to every single person around them. So what happens when you're in a bad mood? Most of the time, you take it out on others. You take it out on the people that are closest to you. So when you've convinced yourself that you aren't good enough and your spouse doesn't fold the towels, quote unquote, right, or the way that you think they should, they don't come home when you expected them to, even though you didn't communicate that expected time, then they become public enemy number one. Our spouses are never going to be good enough for us if we are not good enough for us. Additionally, if you don't have the self-awareness to say, hey, I'm pretty hard on myself, and then change those negative thoughts into more positive ones, you're not going to have the awareness to be like, wow, I have complained to my spouse a lot. The happiest marriages have a five to one ratio, five positive to one negative thing said. Okay, so... If that's flip-flopped, as it is in most marriages, then you're saying five negative things to one positive. So then that becomes your partner's self-dialogue. There's a quote in Yellowstone. I think it's season three. I know the episode is called I Killed a Man, where Casey and Monica are talking. And Casey tells Monica, Monica asks Casey, why do you lie to me? And Casey says, I don't tell you the truth because I think I'm a bad man and the things that I do make me a bad man. And I don't tell you about those things because then you're going to think I'm a bad man. And if you think it, then it's true. But we don't actually know that. Like that's our self-talk too. We're afraid to be vulnerable with our spouse and tell them the insecurities because we're afraid that our spouse is going to use those insecurities against us later. So instead of having someone counteract that and say, you're not fat, you've gained five pounds because you had a baby, or you've gained 30 pounds because you had a baby, or it was the holidays, or whatever, or, okay, so you don't like the way you look, great, can you start coming to the gym to me, with me? Can you start, you know, let's make a tennis date, let's go, you know, do something active, let's go on a hike. 
and start making that a habit. Let's start eating healthier. I'll do it with you. Okay. So if you don't have the self-awareness to be like, Hey, I'm pretty hard on myself and change those negative thoughts and then recognize when you're also being hard on your spouse, when you're not good enough for yourself and then your spouse isn't good enough for you either, your thoughts create those words, like I said, and your words create your actions, which create who you are. So when you aren't quote unquote good enough, then you'll convince yourself that you shouldn't talk to certain people because, you know, why would they network with me? You shouldn't go for the job that you really, really want And you settle for the things that you don't want. Did you know that on average, a man will typically apply for a job that they have 60% of the um, qualities for, but a woman who is, by the way, typically more hard on herself than a man is um, on themselves A woman will only apply if she has 90% or more of the qualities that a company is looking for. Ladies, we settle a lot because we do not have good self-talk. We do not have positive self-talk. So you keep settling and you possibly even blame your spouse for the choices that you made because it's harder to take responsibility for our own junk than it is to blame others. When things aren't good enough for you, then nothing anyone else does is going to be good enough either. And sometimes this even rubs off on your kids. Think about when you've had a bad day or when you've told yourself all this negative self-talk all day long, we have over 400 thoughts a minute. So if those are primarily negative, then we start taking that out on our kids too. So when they come in and they're like, Hey, play a game with me, mommy. Well, no, because I'm tired. Well, you're tired because your brain's been telling yourself that you are crap all day. So if the environment that you're living in is primarily negative, if you're constantly being berated and demeaned and unappreciated, are you going to want to do more? No. So if you're the one berating yourself, if you're the one demeaning yourself, that might be the cause of your lack of motivation. It also might be the the cause of your spouse's lack of motivation to show up for your marriage and to put in the effort to speak the love languages that you need because they don't even think you like them, much less love them. So this just creates a complete cycle of living in negative energy. But the good news is by changing your self-talk, you start to exude more confidence, more positivity, People who are positive, not toxic positivity, by the way, I'm going to throw that in there, are more pleasant to be around. When you start being more grateful, like truly, I started, the first thing I did was I started journaling 10 things that I was grateful for every day. And then I realized that sometimes I was just great. I was just journaling 10 things just to get 10 things. So then I stopped putting a number to it. And just started writing down things that I was truly grateful for. Like, and I know that there are some mamas out there that will resonate with this. Like drinking a hot cup of coffee or having your child leave you alone and not touch you for 30 minutes. Okay. That rarely happens, but having all the laundry done. Okay. Things like that. Like it's easy to be grateful for our kids and our spouse and our job and all that, but getting grateful for the really, really small things in life, like the sun coming out or I tell you what, the first time I see snow because I've not seen it in two years and I really didn't think that this would be something that I would miss moving away from Kansas, but in Texas, we have summer and like Hell's Front Porch. Those are our two seasons. So it's still summer here, even though it's the end of November. The first time I see snow again, I am going to be so freaking grateful for it. I cannot even, I, like I feel it right now and I'm already grateful for it and I don't even have it. That's how you know that you are truly, truly grateful. When you are appreciative of your spouse loading the dishwasher or folding the towels correctly 
when you verbalize that, you're creating a happier, more positive environment for everyone around you. And that leads to people wanting to speak your love language. That leads to people being motivated to help you out. When your kids feel appreciated and loved and wanted, they're motivated to get better grades. They're motivated to clean their room. That leads to you living in the, in the environment that you want to live in. And then because of that, you also feel like a better wife. You feel like a better mom. You get up every morning and you want to show up for your marriage. When people carry themselves different, you notice that, right? So it's the same with you. When you carry yourself different and you're more focused on what your spouse is doing right instead of what they're doing wrong, then the dynamic of your marriage starts to shift. So how do you do that? You start practicing mindfulness. No, this is not some woo-woo thing. Like this actually works. So it's going to feel a little weird at first. Um, I'm actually coaching a round of EQ and U, which is where you learn all of this, by the way. You also learn it in my program, Better Me, Better Us. Both of those, by the way, are in part of the Black Friday deals. If you, uh, I'll link that in the show notes. But one of the um, clients that I have, she voxered me the other day. She said, Cam, this feels really weird. I said, well, what do you mean? She said, well, when I'm practicing mindfulness, it feels like I'm running through a script. And it will at first. But then it will become more natural and it, it won't feel like that anymore. So start paying attention to your thoughts. Again, you have about 400 of them a minute. Okay? So I'm not asking you to pay attention to all of them. Just most of them throughout the day, okay? Start paying attention like every five minutes, you know? Start thinking about, okay, what just went through my mind? What went through my mind when this certain circumstance happened, okay? It's gonna take some energy at first and that's okay if you're not, again, focusing on every single thought. Just start recognizing how your thoughts are affecting you, what your natural tendency is and how you're utilizing those thoughts, When you have a negative thought come up, instead of shaming yourself, think, okay, where does this thought come from? Was I told that I'm fat or did I say that? Okay, what's the actual truth? I am not fat. I have fat. I am are the two most powerful words that you can say to yourself. I, so what you, whatever you put after that is who you become. If you don't like who you are, you have to change that narrative. So not, I am a hot mess. I, oh my gosh, that absolutely makes me cringe when women say that. You are not a hot mess. You are a mom. You might be busy. You might be wearing busy as a medal of honor, but you are a mom. It's okay. You're a human being. Whatever you put after I am is what you become. So start recognizing what you say after I am. When you have that negative thought come up, ask yourself what the truth is. When you look in the mirror, okay, start telling yourselves things that you do like about yourself. I have great eyes. I like my fingernails. I like that my stretch marks mean that I carried three beautiful children into this world. Okay? Do I want to prioritize my weight and change some habits? Okay? So then you start telling yourself, if that's the case, I am a healthy person. I am someone who works out three times a week. I am a gym rat. I am someone who drinks half my body weight in water. When you say I am, then you start living like that. That's why like smokers, there's a lot of people that quit smoking because they say I'm a healthy person. Healthy people don't smoke and they quit cold turkey just like that because they start living into whatever they put after I am. So When your spouse doesn't do exactly what you want, what do you do in that moment? You start asking yourself, what part did I have in this conflict? What part did I not communicate for my expectations? Did I communicate what time I wanted them to come home? Did I communicate how I wanted the towels folded? Maybe they fold towels like their mom did when they were growing up. They don't fold towels like you. 
because you never communicated that that's how you wanted it done. Okay. So are you being realistic with your expectations? That's a big one too. Are you being realistic with the expectations you have for yourself? Are you expecting to get a list of 399 things done in a day and then shaming yourself when you don't? Was that a realistic expectation? Not so much. Are you fearful that you're not good enough and projecting that onto your partner? Do you show gratitude for what you already have and what's already been done? Or are you constantly wanting more? Okay, by thinking about this, you'll see where you need to work and what your natural tendency is. And like I was mentioning in the, in the program, Better Me, Better Us, we focus a lot on this over the eight weeks of coaching, as well as other topics. There's about 10 of other topics that you do that you do on your own, that your partner doesn't even need to be involved in that will better your marriage. Because a better marriage starts with a better version of you. These are all techniques that I put into use in my own marriage, like I was talking about in the beginning of this podcast, that increased my own happiness because I finally realized that my happiness is my responsibility. That's not my husband's responsibility to make me happy. The happiest marriages are complete because two whole individuals complete them. It has nothing to do with a person who completes you, you complete you, and then you bring your partner on to share that ride. So if you are interested in that program, if you're interested in bettering yourself, bettering your marriage and doing it on your own, if your partner is like mine was and is like, nope, I'm not having one thing to do with therapy, counseling or coaching. It's okay. You can absolutely have a better marriage by yourself. And that self-talk is how it starts. So start watching how you talk to yourself. And I would love to know how that works for you and how that changes over time. So if you would leave a review of this podcast, if you found it helpful, if you would um, rate it, if you would share it with your friends who also need help with self-talk, that, oh my gosh, that would just absolutely make my day. And also email me at coaching at recognizingpotential.com and let me know how this changes for you over time. If your self-talk gets better and if your marriage gets better as a result. Have a fantastic week and enjoy your families. Hey guys, real quick. The gift of growth for Christmas is here. I'm so excited to let you know that the revamped course for Better Me, Better Us is officially open. This is the course to better your marriage by yourself. I've run two rounds of this so far and it was so successful for people. And I've even added three extra coaching sessions to make it even more impactful. So if you are the type that you have a partner who isn't on board with coaching, therapy, or counseling, just know that it's okay. I was there about three years ago myself, and I can honestly tell you that there's so much that you can do on your own to have the marriage that you so deeply desire. My husband and I now have the marriage that we've always dreamed of having because I took the steps myself that I did that I'm teaching you about in this course. And then he came along with me saying that it was all the work that I had done that he was seeing the results of. He felt bad for not doing it himself and he wanted to be better too. And that's what created the great marriage that we have now. If you are ready to get off the merry-go-round, you're ready to be able to set boundaries and create balance and harmony, not only in your marriage, but in your home as a whole. If you're ready to have confidence and stellar communication, if you're ready to have healthier fight styles and ready to just be the best version of yourself overall, this is the course to jump into. Click the link in the show notes and there's an early bird discount that's applicable until November 26th. Of course, there's always a payment plan available as well. You can email me at coaching at recognizingpotential.com. Again, that's coaching at recognizingpotential.com for payment plan options. And we start January 4th. Make 2022 your year. I can't wait to see you in there.
Thanks for listening to another episode of the Recognizing Potential podcast. If you found the content in this episode helpful, don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a review. I appreciate it so much, and it would absolutely make my day if you would share this episode by taking a screenshot and sharing it on your social media. I'll leave ways to tag me in the show notes, and I will talk to you next week. Hello, hello. Welcome back. Hope you are all doing well. This week, I have a little bit of a cold, and so you will have to bear with me on coughing and um, sounding a little bit stopped up. I am um, not COVID. Don't worry. I've had a test. Um, so I've been doing a little bit of research lately on the causes of divorce. And the reason is that January coming up is the leading month for divorces. It is the, um, the month where most divorces happen. And so I kind of want to speak into that a little bit. If you are thinking about divorce, if you are thinking about, you know, the holidays bring up a lot of turmoil and a lot of challenges with relationships, there's a lot of reflection towards the end of this year. It's the last month of the year. You start reflecting on the year past and how much you've you've grown and how much you haven't, where you've done well and where you haven't, you start thinking about your relationship and is it time to call it quits or is it time to, you know, really hit the gas and try to make it work? Here are a couple of things that I want to talk to you today about what happiest, what the happiest marriages have versus what the happiest marriages don't have. And I will also tell you, if you are thinking about divorce, if you are in that space, I want you to ask yourself the question, have you done every single possible thing that you can to make it work? I know in my first marriage, when I was considering divorce, things were really bad for about three years, about four years before I actually pulled the trigger. And the reason that I let it go on that long was that I really wanted to make sure that I had done every possible thing that I could before I actually signed divorce papers because I didn't want to have regrets. And I think that that is what separates me. When I look back at my at that marriage, I don't feel any regret at all. When I look back at my ex-husband, yes, that's my son's dad. But I don't, I have, I have no feelings for him at all. When I see him, I see a person that I've known since I was seven years old. Um, but I see nothing more. And so when I look at that, you know, there's a lot of people that I deal with in blending families and a lot of, of clients that I have, they have a lot of jealousy for their ex or they have a lot of regret. They have a lot of, you know, um, just a lot of thoughts that go into the past and they are living in the past of what should I have done? What could I have done? And so I want to talk to you about that so that you don't have that moving forward. You can do every single possible thing that you can to make your marriage work. And part of that is getting the tools that you need. I think that all marriages struggle at certain times. All marriages have conflict at certain times. And I think that if you really have the right tools, and this is part of the reason that I'm a coach, if you have the right tools and you apply those tools, there is a very good chance that you can use that conflict as a form of connection. And so what I want to talk to you today about is things that successful marriages have. And one of those things is a filter. A filter over your mouth, a filter over your eyes, and a filter over your hearts. And it's not just a filter over your mouth. You know, we've all, we've all met those people. We have those people in our lives that you're like, oh man, I can't take you anywhere. I do not know what is going to come out of your mouth. But in our marriage, we also have to make sure we're not that person. 
So our tongue has the power to build others up or tear them down. So how are you using yours? And this is one of those things where we have to stop and we have to think about the things that we are saying to our spouse. And it's interesting because I was in a conversation the other day with a client and he said, but Cameron, you tell us to be honest and vulnerable with our spouses. So if we're not saying everything that we want to, to our spouse, isn't that lying? Not exactly. I'll give you an example. Um, God bless my husband. This is not to throw him under the bus at all, but he kind of had that same mentality in terms of he just wants to be open and honest at all times. Um, after Zane was born, we went through a really hard time. And, you know, when you're adjusting to adding another kid to the mix, when you are, it was his first biological child, so he wasn't really sure what to, you know, think and feel and do and all of that. Um, it was a really stressful time because I was still working full time and, you know, we had the baby, I wasn't sleeping, he was still gone, he, you know, he was gone all the time, working, flying and all of that. So it was a really hard time and one of the things that he said to me without really even thinking, he said, I'm not attracted to you anymore. Well, that hurt really deep really deep. That was really, really hard for us. And when he said, I'm not attracted to you anymore, like I didn't know what to do with that information. That, that was awful, especially because one of my biggest insecurities is my weight. That's not a secret. I know you guys know that we've talked about it a lot. Um, but when he said that he wasn't attracted to me anymore, no woman wants to hear that ever, especially three months after she had a baby. Because your body looks weird. In a, in a woman's mind, your body after you have a baby, like, your body isn't good enough for you either. Like, it's weird looking, you know, everything is huge and full and saggy and there's extra skin. I mean, like, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. It's one of the leading causes of postpartum depression. So then when your husband comes to you and says... Yeah, I'm just not really attracted to you anymore. I immediately thought, oh, okay, well, that's it. He's leaving me three months after we're getting it. You know, we're we're getting a divorce and I am a relationship coach. What the hell? So we worked through it. It was about a month. It took us about a month. And he said, you know what? He goes, it was just in that moment. It wasn't even that I wasn't attracted to you at all. It was that, you know, reflecting back on what I had seen you know, there was a child that came out of you, um, you know, seeing you and your body grow and change, it's a mindset thing. So he's looking at it as a negative thing in the way that I look versus that I created a human, nothing against him, but that's just the way that he looked at it. And then when he voiced his concerns in a moment of vulnerability for him, but also, you know, hurting me without thinking, these are the things that happen when we don't have a filter on our mouth. When we say things, when we use our partner's insecurities against them in a fight, when we say things that we don't really mean as a whole, we just mean them in the moment. When we're saying things that does not build our spouse up, but rather tears them down and disrespects them We don't speak words of wisdom and we definitely aren't speaking gentle truths, right? So when we're using our tongue for promotion of negativity or promotion of what we feel in the moment, this is also an emotional intelligence thing. If you can't regulate your own thoughts and feelings and you can't regulate your own emotions in the moment, you're going to hurt people because hurt people hurt people, right? So it means that, you know, when your wife has had a baby three months before and you come in and say, I'm not attracted to you anymore, that's going to cut pretty deep. You know, thinking and having that empathy for, okay, when I say this, how is my partner going to respond? How is my partner, how do I expect my partner to respond? How do I expect my partner to process this information? And knowing my partner 
Is that how this is going to go down? Or is my partner going to get defensive? Would I get defensive if they said this to me? You know, it's if you don't really like your wife's dinner that she made that night, instead of saying something like that sucked, say something like, hey, you know, I really liked the veggies that you made. But next time, could we maybe add a little bit of salt? Could we maybe add a little bit more seasoning? Could we take out certain things? My husband is really good about this. Um, He's not really that picky anyways. He really likes pretty much everything that I cook and God bless him because the smoke detector is the the song of my people, y'all. Like, let's just be honest. But in that, he is really good about saying things like, hey, you know, I really liked this, but next time could we use, you know, chicken thighs instead of chicken breasts? Or could we use, um, you know, different kinds of noodles or something like that. You know, he's, he's really good about that. And he says things like we could, we, he doesn't cook. Are you kidding me? But he uses the, we as a promotion of team instead of saying things like, could you, because you is a little bit, bit more of an attack. Okay. Um, when you're talking to your husband, you know, instead of saying things like, God, you're being such a jack wagon today. Try something like, hey, you know, I've noticed that your energy is a little bit off today. I feel like you're stressed. How can I help? Um, You know, is there anything that you want to talk about? Seems like you had a really long day today. Did something happen specifically? What's going on? Okay. So all of this to say, we know our faults. As human beings, a lot of times we are our own worst critic, right? But like I talked about last week, if our partner says it, it makes it true. So we have to really be careful how we say things and what we say and having that empathy, not just to, not just for ourselves, but also to empathize with them. Hey, when I say this, is this going to come across the way that I intend for it to, right? People are going to, and especially your partner is going to respond a lot better If you are gentle with your truths, then they are if you are completely brash with them. And this is something that I've had a really hard time with for my entire life. I mean, this is something that I work on a lot on myself because I am just kind of a put it all out there kind of person, right? Um, My mom is that way. I learned that from her and... There's a lot of times, I mean, my mom has even said things like, hey, hey, other people's opinion of me is none of my business. And so I'm going to just say what I'm going to say. And if they don't like it, then tough. Well, that's not always how to take the situation because people get hurt really bad. You know, it's that whole sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. That is the biggest lie there ever was, ever. Like, we really need to stop telling kids that because... It is absolutely untrue. And the filter on our mouth in marriage is one of the most important that we can have. If you really look at the people that have, and I'm going to be interviewing a couple that's been together for 50 years. uh, That'll be in a couple of weeks. One of the things that they do, the way that they talk to each other is completely different than the people who are together, but you know that they're unhappy you know that things are not going well in their marriage. Listen to people that have been married for a long time or that you really look up to and be like, yes, that is relationship goals. That is a couple goal right there. That's who I want to model my marriage after. Don't pay attention to those who you don't want to model your marriage after. Pay attention to those that you do, that you look up to. How do they talk to each other? Guaranteed, They have a filter on their mouth. They don't say things that they feel in the moment. They they say things that are promoting a healthy manner for the bigger picture, that build each other up. If they have something that their partner needs to hear that may be a little bit hard for them to hear, they start it kindly, okay? Here's a tip for you. If you have a constructive criticism for your partner, first of all, don't criticize. If you're going to complain, 
then make it a complaint. And the difference is criticizing attacks the person as a whole. It attacks their character. A complaint attacks a behavior. Okay, so this is actually like two tips. So the first is complain. Attack the behavior, not the person as a whole. So instead of saying you always or you never or you, okay, say something like, hey, I've noticed that ever since you started working with so-and-so, your characters become a little bit more arrogant than confident. I love that you have confidence, but the arrogance is sometimes a little off-putting, okay? So you're going to say something like, hey, I've noticed, blah, 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 all right? Or, hey, your behavior in this sense is, you know, this is how it's being received kind of situation. Don't attack the person as a whole. Like, um, hey, I've noticed that you're an arrogant jack wagon. Okay, uh, maybe not always. Maybe only in certain situations or only, you know, since they've started working with somebody or since they've started hanging around with somebody, okay? Then also you're going to use a sandwich, okay? You're going to make it a sandwich. Hey, I really appreciate how you load the dishwasher. It's, or I really appreciate the fact that you help me clean the kitchen, Okay, I really appreciate the fact that you put all that effort in. Um, Sometimes the way that you load the dishwasher, the dishes don't always get clean. So if we could remember that we thing that my husband does, it's really helpful. Maybe if we could like stack the plates this way or if we could, you know, make sure that the silverware is up instead of down or making sure that the bowls go on the top shelf instead of the bottom or however you want it done. And then, but again, I just want to emphasize how much I really do appreciate your help. Um, It's just easier if things get clean the first time instead of having to rerun it. That is going to be a lot more well-received than being like, God, you suck at loading the dishwasher. Can you fix that already? Or who, who taught you to load the dishwasher? They were terrible at it. Something like that. Or a sarcastic comment. That's not going to be well-received either. Second filter that we have is on our eyes. And this is not to see our spouses in the perfect light and have that toxic positivity of like, oh my gosh, my wife or my husband is so wonderful and they can do no wrong. No, no. Okay. Seeing marriage and seeing our our spouses for who they really are. And sometimes this is really hard because we have such high expectations as human beings that we expect a lot more from our spouse than what they're capable of. So if we have that filter to see our spouse for who they are rather than what we expect them to be, if we have that filter for seeing marriage for what it really is instead of the Disney fairy tale that we expect it to be, instead of seeing you know, our, the way that we think that our spouse should be or the way that we think marriage should be. It's that whole shooting on ourselves that ruins things a lot of times. We have a lot of expectations around that and that gets hard and resentment is built because marriage doesn't own up to our expectations or our spouse doesn't own up to our expectations. And we have to ask ourselves, first of all, did we even communicate what those expectations were? And did we do so early and often and clearly, right? The second thing is that if we're looking at marriage through rose-colored glasses where we feel like everything should be wonderful all the time, that's not realistic. That's something out of a rom-com, which, I mean, God love them. They, They make you get you right in the feels and make you feel great. But at the same time, Marriage has its ups and downs, those ebbs and flows. Without the ebb, without the lesson, okay, that's to teach you something so that your marriage can up-level. Otherwise, we get complacent. And complacency is seriously the killer of all marriages. Complacency is the thief of joy. It is, it is the absolute... It is the absolute in what a couple's goal should not be. And I know I just should it on you again. But at the same time, should it? I don't even know if that's a word. I just made it a word. Anyways, point being that complacency 
is what we are not looking for here, okay? So we want to have those lessons. We want to have those ebbs so that we can appreciate the flows. We want to have the valleys so that we learn conviction. And then when we have the the peaks, we can learn confidence, okay? So have the filter to see everything for what it really is. The last one is to have a filter on our hearts, okay? And that is to say, are we seeing and and accepting our spouse's influence? This is something that I have struggled with personally because I was married once before and I am my husband's first real relationship. Like, um, in his culture, it's not common to date around. It's not common to be divorced. It's not... It's not really heard of. So for him, you know, I am his first real deep relationship. He did date a little bit before we got married um, or before we even started dating. But he um, he didn't really meet a lot of people, you know. So he was very focused and career driven. And that's one of the things that I love about him. At the same time, it has hindered me and in my own mindset that I've had to work on, I have had to really learn that like he does bring a lot to the table. That's why I married him. But I need to get over my own intellectual arrogance and accept his influence. And so that third filter has to be present on our heart. The heart is where the spring of life flows from anyways. And this filter doesn't go on our physical heart, but rather on our emotions too. I've seen so many relationships fail because one partner couldn't forgive their spouse. This is another area that I see a lot of with relationships. Thank God my husband and I are very good about this. We both know that as human beings, we're going to hurt each other. It's not intentional. We're going to say things that we don't really mean. We're going to say things that, you know, we we have to really watch it when we're arguing and take that space and take that time so that we don't say things that we don't mean that we can't take back because, again, words do hurt really bad. So we have to have that filter to remember the intentions of our spouse as well. And I, it's funny, my husband and I were actually just talking about that the other night because we were talking about when we get angry. And it's like I said, like, I, you have to look at me and say, okay, is my wife always angry? No. Is she angry on a daily basis? No. So if she's angry, then that's got to be a signal for like, okay, something's not happening here. Some, there's a need that's not being met, right? And so in that, We have to remember who our spouse is and their intentions and who they are at their core. Forgive them for the anger and the behavior that they exhibit in that moment. But at the same time, understanding and regulating our own emotions to see the underlying message of that anger. Pent up resentment is like a cancer that slowly eats away at a relationship And not seeing each other's perspectives and having that filter on our own heart makes one intellectually arrogant. It also breeds contempt and entitlement. So when we show empathy, when we show acceptance, we love our spouse for who they are instead of who we expect them to be. We forgive their imperfections. We forgive them that their body doesn't look a certain way that we expect it to three months after having a baby. And we help them to be a better version of themselves every day. That's the purpose of those three of those three filters. The filter on our heart is for our own emotions to say, okay, I'm going to regulate myself. I'm going to step back from the situation. I'm going to step back from the moment, okay? And I'm going to really look at the situation for what it is instead of reacting to whatever it was that my spouse just said. And that's what I think a lot of relationships are lacking right now is that emotional intelligence to say, okay, what's the underlying message here? What's my spouse really saying to me? What is all behavior is communication for an unmet need. 
So what's the unmet need that my spouse has right now? What's the unmet need that my kids have right now? When my kid is throwing a fit in the middle of Target, it's not because they want to be bad. It's because there's an unmet need there. Are they tired? Are they hungry? Are they bored? Are they tired of being in this store? I mean, I love Target, but my children do not. So, you know, is this, you know, that we've been in the store too long? What's what's happening right now? What's going on in their heads? And we have to ask that for our spouse too. Hey, I see that your energy's off. What's happening? What's going on in your head? We actually just talked about this too the other day, my husband and I. Um, when we travel, it bothers him that I get stressed out and kind of uptight. But what we've realized is that that is like, I have travel anxiety and it's not on big trips. It's, it's not on just big trips. It's on small trips too. And so even if we're just like traveling to my parents or traveling to my brothers or something like that, I still get travel anxiety because it's not my comfort zone. It's not my home. I'm going to a different place and I'm traveling with a toddler. So there's some anxiety there. There's some, a lot of of things that I'm working on uh, because, you know, I'm a human being too. Just because I'm a coach doesn't mean that I'm perfect. I have things that I'm working on too. And I try to be as vulnerable as I can with you guys. And I try to, you know, like let you guys know the real and raw just so that you know that you're not alone, but at the same time, give you the tools that I'm using and give you the tools that you can use as well so that we can all work through it together. Um, If this has resonated with you at all, if you feel like you need one of these filters or if you feel like one of these filters is broken in your relationship with your partner, definitely reach out email me at coaching at recognizingpotential.com and let's have a conversation over this because I really feel like this is important in order for your marriage to thrive. And um, this is one of the tools that my spouse and I, like I've said throughout this entire podcast that we've really put to use is having the filter on our mouths and having, you know, talking to each other in a certain way that promotes, you know, genuine concern when things are not good, genuine you know, wanting each other to be the best that we can possibly be as a spouse, as an individual, as a parent, in all the different roles that we have, but at the same time, giving those gentle truths instead of those harsh ones that hurt so bad. Also, you know, being able to regulate our emotions, being able to ask ourselves, okay, who is my spouse at their core and what are they meaning? What are they needing in this moment? Lastly, seeing marriage and seeing our spouses for who they are and what they can do instead of what we want them to be and what we want the marriage to, what purpose we want the marriage to serve are our expectations too high, okay? So all of that to say, if you are struggling with this, reach out. If you are needing a course around this, EQ and you has been wildly like more successful than I ever even anticipated for it to be with the people that are in it now. Um, the first round is almost complete and I will tell you guys the results within the first two to three sessions of coaching were astronomical, like mind blowing. Even I, I'm still, I get texts every single week from one of the students that said, or one or more that say, oh my gosh, this is what happened this week. This is what happened with my, my spouse. This is what happened with my boyfriend or my girlfriend, or, oh my gosh, this is what happened at work today. Like, this is how I used it. Thank you so much, Cameron. Like, this is so helpful. So if you're needing that, if you are needing any kind of the filter on your heart is the part that you are struggling with the most, or the filter on your mouth, this is definitely a course that's going to help you. So reach out, Um, I have another round starting here pretty quick and we can get you in there. Otherwise, have a fantastic week. Next week, definitely make sure to tune in. I am interviewing um, Shannon Burton. She is a sex coach and a plethora of information. Um, That interview was absolutely fantastic. I'm so excited to share that. So definitely make sure you tune in next week as well. Talk to you soon. 
Hey, welcome to the Recognizing Potential podcast with your host and certified relationship coach, Cameron Thompson Alaricki. This is the podcast for all things real and raw on building the healthiest, happiest marriage and parenting relationships possible. As a coach, I am on a mission to help couples divorce proof their marriages. Together, my clients and I are changing the statistic that half of marriages end in divorce by learning and more importantly, applying tools and tips on how to communicate clearly, create peace and love generously. I am happily married and we have two boys and in my spare time, you can find me reading, painting and traveling this gorgeous, incredible world. Now let's get on with the show. Hey guys, real quick, if you are loving this podcast episode, it would absolutely make my day if you would give it a five-star review and share it with your friends. You never know who might benefit from the information that you're loving as well. Tag me in your post so that I can thank you properly, and every review and share helps this podcast grow and get in front of more people, which also helps my mission to divorce-proof marriages, and we all know someone who could benefit from that, right? Thank you so much, and now back to the episode.